Okay, vampire killers, let's kill some fucking vampires. Rip her pleasure. Her pleasure. Somebody like. Somebody's like. What brand of rubbers are you buying? Like leprechaun cock or something? You've had a rough ride. It's it's the ones on there that say like you might have a little dick, but this one right here will feel better. The Warwick Davis touch. I like it. Yeah, I'm buying the Warwick Davises. He's buying the ones with the spikes and shit on them, and like a whole like amusement park of a goddamn condom. (laughs) I've got what's called an extra juicy load. So I have to get the fucking reservoir, like the extended mm-hmm. reservoir tips. That's yeah, that's not good. Especially since you did just give a lesson on uh, lesson on entrapment the other day. So I forgot about that. You fucking with the uh, fucking with God, brother. Fucking with God. Welcome to the Horrible Film School, a safe place to watch scary movies. Professor Chris here, post COVID, here with the other horribles. Professor Hootie. Welcome back to the Fun House, Chris. Tonight we get to hear about Dark Knight. Such a good song. Such a great song. And Professor Joseph. Welcome back, Chris. Glad you're uh, safe and sound. Uh, this review has been 25 years in the making. I'm pumped to be talking about From Dust to Dome. This movie stayed in our VCR for days on end, back when your boy was a young buck. Fucking VCR. Let's, uh, let's get it popping. Today's assignment, 1996's From Dusk Till Dawn, The Lesson. Always read the Yelp reviews before offering to meet up with your work buddies at some asshole-on-the-wall bar. Let's go ahead and get this thing started. We're going to talk about director Robert Rodriguez. I'd argue that Robert Rodriguez is one of the most talented men in Hollywood. Um, He obviously has a lot of passion for the movies he writes, directs. If you guys want to add or chime in, I have a... uh, Decent sized little list. I'm going to rattle off um, of his many projects he's had a hand in as a director that I'm familiar with. Uh, Desperado, The Faculty, Spy Kids, Once Upon a Time in Mexico, Sin City, Planet Terror, Machete. He has a style all his own, and personally, I really appreciate it. Spy Kids. Spy Kids. And, uh, yeah, I, I saw that on there, dude. What about that Shark Boy like, and Lava Girl fucking, shit? I kept fucking like, glancing at Is that him, too? Like, I'm pretty sure. Goddamn Shark Boy. Have you read the cast of like these movies? The horror movies you just mentioned? No, 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 no. The uh, the Spy Kid movies. Sylvester Stallone's in one of them. Fucking Benicio del, del Toro. Uh, who else is in that shit? I think Salma Hayek's in it. I think Danny Trejo's in a few of them too. Yeah. What is he? What is a rough ass human being like Danny Trejo doing in a fucking children's movie? He played. He was like the voice of the shark. Oh. You didn't actually see Danny. You He's me. I'm a great white shark. <laughs> Don't be fucking around. I said fuck him. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm going to fucking cut you. I'm pretty sure he was like the gadgets guy for the kids. Like he did the. I don't know. I'm just talking shit. I'm just talking shit. He's like the Q part of the Bond setup. Man, he probably made it for his kids. So good on him. It's just kind of odd considering like how, how violent some of his other work is, you know? Oh, it's ultra violent. That's his like. That's his trademark. All that southwestern style. So normally, right here, we talk about cast and crew. Obviously, we're going to save that for the uh, 
for the actual meat and potatoes of our review. Mm. However, I am going to talk about one of the writers, the screenplay writer in this case, is uh, Quentin Tarantino. Oh, okay. Um, we'll talk. We'll talk more in depth about Mr. Tarantino's filmography later, just because he's actually in the fucking movie. Never heard of um, him. <laughs> but this is like, I feel like this is my time to go ahead and go in on Quentin Tarantino in reference to horror because he doesn't make horror movies. Um, we probably won't ever talk about him again. Uh, I think it's pretty safe to say, unless I'm wrong. Yeah, unfortunately, you're probably um, right. So uh, let me get this out of the way. This motherfucker loves feet. Mm. I mean, that's the first thing he looks like for in all his movies. You, you can see it. Uh, me, I, I'm a tits guy. I appreciate a nice ass. Disrespectful Frankenstein-looking motherfucker. It's good to know. Loves, loves a set of toes. There ain't nothing wrong with that, man. The dude has made a living off of it, and he's, uh, as we'll see, had some very beautiful women step into his oh, mouth. Oh, there's a scene in this. There's a scene in this movie that I'm sure he's like oh, jacks off to all the time. So I mean, he ain't the only one. He obviously ain't the only one that jacks off to this shit. It's so but, unsettling. I'm telling you. Yeah, so he sends down to pin this script, knowing good and well who he's going to play. And he gets to that scene, and you know there's got to be specific stage directions. you got to take advantage of this shit. Richie's jaw unhinges until it touches his sternum. Jesus Christ. The whole foot. I think he foot. had a prosthetic chin for this shit, just so he can get the whole thing in there. Yeah. Uh, what, what, I mean, what can you say about Tarantino? As a screenwriter alone, one of the greatest to ever do it. I think uh, they said he wrote this and wanted to direct it, but anybody, I mean, if you're a fan of him or you know his his work, it just doesn't really fit in with his his canon, I guess, you know. I wish he would actually legit do a horror movie, but I just don't think the movies he directs could ever truly be what we would consider horror movies. Wasn't he in line to do Leprechaun in Space? He was supposed to, I think he was supposed to write one of the Halloween movies. Like the sixth one or something. Or he gave notes on it, maybe. So this motherfucker will pin an episode of ER, but he won't damn do anything about, like, horror films? He just, he, I don't know if he can fit his style, man. He's just too verbose. He's too talky for a horror movie. How the fuck does ER fit his style? Oh, he loves television, man. He was on Golden Girls. That was his first gig. Loves it. I read a tidbit that he wrote this script to showcase K&B Productions uh, prosthetics. Yeah. He, like uh, I did see that he was gonna. He gave the script to one of the, one of the makeup guys for them to direct it, but they uh, declined it. Kirkman, yeah. Kurtzman, I think. But he declined it, and then Rodriguez saw it and snatched it. That's the dude from. Uh, he does a lot of work on The Walking Dead now, right? Yeah, he said he's I part of that Nicotero crew. But then, yeah, as soon as Rodriguez saw it, he snatched it up, and for the better, I would say. The rest is history. I think y'all pretty much, you know, took his pants off adequately. I will say that Hateful Eight's a good movie that's underrated. That's about I rewatched that. Exactly. Netflix did like an episodic version of it, like an extended. Jesus. It was much better. It was so long. It was much better episodically, I'll say that. I liked it better on a rewatch. Additional cast and crew. Uh, not a lot to note here, however, I did, and I think Hootie just mentioned it. I wanted to give props to the makeup FX uh, made possible by the KMB FX crew or FX group. Um, a big reason for my love of this movie as a teenager comes from how awesome the creatures looked. Uh, I definitely feel like these guys and gals are worthy of uh, special recognition for their work here. 
Yeah, a lot of the transformations, even now, they, they hold up pretty well, I would say. Everything holds up except for the CGI. I hate CGI so much. What CGI are you well, the CG, talking about? The CGI is used so infrequently, though. Like, it's only that one scene. I understand. It's when Selma changes. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah I CGI got that does it. I'm just like, ah, okay. Yeah. They can I mean, just cut and have her turn around. I understand. I just hate all I guess, CGI. I see the scene, the scene I'm referring to is when it shows all the bat creatures. All right, few interesting uh, tidbits about about from Dust Till Dawn. It was originally in consideration to be the second movie in a Tales from the Crypt trilogy. Ultimately, that hell? honor went to Dennis Miller's Bordello of Blood. Which Bordello is, of Blood is fantastic. Kind of, I is, remember that being on Comedy uh, Central. It's not, it's not as good as this movie, obviously. But it's funny that this is the case with From Dust Till Dawn because I was actually on the fence about picking Demon Knight. Is this week's movie Billy Zane? Yeah, William Sadler. Love that movie. It's great. (laughs) A little bit earlier, we also mentioned that Quentin Tarantino directed an episode of ER, uh, which is where the George Clooney casting came from. Uh, Apparently, the guys they they got along together great, and Quentin Tarantino had him on the back burner for some potential movies that he may have uh, wanted to cast him in in the future. Elaborating on the casting of Seth Gecko before Clooney, the role was offered to a laundry list of Tarantino frequent flyers. Uh, this list includes Michael Madsen, mm. Tim Roth, Steve Buscemi, Fucking. John Travolta, as well as Christopher Walken. You left out. You left out one person that exactly. I would love to see play this character, and that is Jeff fucking Goldblum. <laughs> Shit, I didn't hear that. <laughs> Damn, dude, I can't see any of those dudes. Oh, that'd have been awesome. L- l- listen here, Richie. You can't be raping girls anymore, Richie. It's trying to go. Yeah, we're trying to, they have like trying the, not to kill people. The neck Richie. tattoo and everything. I, just, I don't see it on any of those guys. But so I do love some Steve Buscemi, man. You don't see Steve Buscemi's fucking poodle-looking eye ass sitting there with a neck tattoo. I could see Steve playing Richie, oh. and then the Tarantino just takes over. I'll, I'll I be think Seth. Steve would have been so fucking good as Richie. Yeah, I could see that. Honestly, in my opinion, anybody but Tarantino. But you can't hate on the man. We're gonna get to that. We're gonna get to that later. He needed his, his little moment in the sun. I feel like Michael Madsen could have done a good job, but Michael Madsen, it, it like automatically makes it a B movie. Yeah. <laughs> no offense to Michael Madsen. Yeah, Mike has a an aura about him. Also, the burgers Seth brings to the motel are actually big Kahuna, big Kahuna burgers, burgers. As famously Those seen in so good. Pulp Fiction. That's the Hawaiian uh, joint down the street. As well as, well as the Rocket brand condoms used uh, as holy water balloons they also make an appearance in robert rodriguez's the faculty mm-hmm. what wouldn't have fucking oh, i forgot he directed the faculty the faculty i forgot about wouldn't that have fucking... well, i fucking listed it i know but it was such a was, sorry was i was a not listening list. jesus was christ i was okay. following yeah, my text when you start talking i just like fucking i do other things all right well yeah like uh i wouldn't have noticed it but uh I was hanging out with a friend, and I was watching, you know, from Dust of Dawn. And for whatever reason, we decided to watch The Faculty right after that. And I fucking did not remember that Robert Rodriguez, like, directed that movie. And apparently the, the beer brand 
that they use in one scene also pops up in like Desperado. Or Lone Star. I don't fucking know. Um, no, it's not. I know what he's talking about. It's not. It's not an actual beer brand. Lone Star is a real. Yeah, beer. I think uh, George has Lone Star in the hotel room, which I remembered from True Detective season one. I fell down a rabbit hole of Dust Till Dawn. Uh, I watched the second one, the third one, and the series. Fucking shit, man. Holy shit, did they get bad. Well, hold on, hold on. <laughs> I know the second one's bad, but the second one is like super memeable. The shit is really funny. I like the second one. The third fun. one's actually okay. The third one's not bad. The third one is the second like, one. The third one is kind of like it keeps in the same vein. As the second the, one, you never go to the titty bar. Yeah, yeah the second one sucks. The second one's awesome. Just Come in for, for the titties. Yeah, the second one's terrible. The opening scene of the sequel has Tiffany Amber Thiessen and Bruce Campbell in an elevator. Damn, she was fine as hell and saved by the bell, man. I was definitely, I was definitely a Tiffany Amber Thiessen as opposed to the other like. I like Jesse Elizabeth man. Berkeley. I didn't like Berkeley. She's too, she's too toned. Tone she's, she tall. was too muscular. I prefer the hair. Man. Lisa Turtle was hot. Lisa Turtle was hot too, but she was a fucking bitch, man. Skeeter, Skeeter was always trying to get up in that. She wouldn't fucking hook him up. Yeah, I remember Skeeter going to school on Saturdays, and then Doug was like, what are you doing here? It's Saturday. Wait, what the fuck? Who the fuck is Skeeter? <laughs> Who was that uh, the little nerd with the haircut? Screech? Who <laughs> <laughs> the fuck is Skeeter? Who the fuck is Screech? His name ain't Creech. Screech. Screech. Oh, fuck. You said Creech, bro. Skeeter's uh, Doug. <laughs> you said Skeeter. Like, I got never read Oh, shit. Doug's High best school. Friend. Skeeter's fucking Doug, man. Him and uh, Roger and Patty Mayonnaise. Yeah, that blue motherfucker Skeeter. I was talking about banging Patty Mayonnaise then. I don't know who y'all talking about. Oh, God. Uh, Damn. Uh, Creech. <laughs> oh, shit. The third movie, one of the main characters is the uh, Texas Ranger who gets shot in the first scene of this yeah, film. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he does not get any better. And it has Orlando Jones in it. Michael Wait, Parks. You said he don't get any better. He, his acting is god-awful in the third one. Like, god-awful. His acting's great in this. It is pretty good. I'm saying it doesn't get any better. Like, oh, it's just yeah, peak. Yeah. He, he peaked. More of a, he, he has more of a featured <laughs> role in that in that third movie. Right? Yeah. Yeah, he's in shows. quite a bit more. All right, Ramblers. Let's get rambling. Let's take a bite out of 1996's From Dusk. Well, your best better get a hell of a lot fucking better, or you are gonna feel a hell of a lot fucking worse. Everybody, be cool. You, be cool. Our story begins at a hole-in-the-wall gas station slash liquor store called Benny's World of Liquor near the Texas-Mexico border. It's here we meet Earl McGraw. A regular who also happens to be a Texas Ranger, played by Michael Parks. Suffice it to say, Mr. Parks has been in a metric shit ton of movies, but it's the Rodriguez Tarantino movie verse I want to discuss. Michael Parks plays this same character across several other movies as well, uh, namely Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2, as well as Death Proof and Planet Terror. You don't see character continuation like this in movies that aren't direct sequels or prequels, so I thought it was definitely worth noting as a neat bit of lore. Um, to think all these movies take place in the same universe, um, I'm sure that's a YouTube rabbit hole that would suck you in real quick. Uh, it's also in Benny's that we're introduced to the store clerk, Pete Bottoms, played by the oh-so-talented John Hawks, who our listeners may know from Eastbound and Down, Deadwood, 
Rush Hour, as well as this movie about killer That's where gorillas I knew him from is Deadwood and Diamonds of Zinge and Sesame Cake. I can't quite Sesame remember cake? the name of it. Uh, Sounds like Congo. That's fucking Congo. Congo. Congo alert. Ew, ew, ew. The Lost City of Zinge. Well, he was also yeah, in Winter's a... Bone. He got an Oscar nomination for that. So the man can. Hey, but I've never seen that. I'm not going to talk about that. I have. We we've all seen that's Congo. Too, that's too fuck. good. Of, Winter's Bone is too good of a movie to fucking watch. That's Jennifer Lawrence's debut. Fuck that. I actually got a couple of funny quotes I want to throw in here for a friend of mine from Rush Hour, if uh, you guys don't mind. From Rush Hour? From Rush Hour. Uh, John Hawks was in Rush Hour. Uh, oh, okay. $50 million? <laughs> Man, who you think you kidnapped? Chelsea Clinton? <laughs> and I got another one right here. Whoa. Huh. Yeah. What it is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Sing it again. You are. It ain't you all, it's y'all. Johnny Chan. Uh, Jackie Chan. So anyway, after some pretty funny, albeit offensive, back and forth, the two discuss a recent bank heist in Abilene that resulted in the deaths of four rangers, three cops, a civilian, as well as a bank teller being taken hostage. You're just going to skip over the fact that he's some bitch made me a goddamn mongoloid. Oh, I'm going to let y'all just go in on it. If you, if, you got it <laughs> if you got it queued up, if you got it, you know, got that... Ball on the on the tee, knock it out of the park. I think one of the uh, memorable lines for me. Here's the exchange. Isn't there a logins retard serving food to the public? Well, if they ain't, it ought to be. She should have hit that boy on the head and sold the milk. Sold the milk. <laughs> She's talking about. He's talking about selling that titty milk. Yeah, Here's the real uh, question: Have y'all ever bought titty milk? Is that a real thing? Like a girl, working like at the pawn shop, there's thing? a there's a black market for titty milk. Male or female? Wait, what? What titty does it have to come out of? We don't have a cow. We got a bull. We got a bull. <laughs> got him again. But yeah, he uh, they go pretty hard back and forth here, disparaging this poor mentally challenged man trying to run a restaurant all on his own. That motherfucker don't know rat shit from Rice Krispies. <laughs> Damn, y'all. <laughs> Yeah. And microwave food key faster than a bullet. This is just great fucking dialogue. You can tell Tarantino wrote this. Oh, yeah, I didn't know fantastic. it obviously as a kid, but you can tell. He's always looking off though. Is he reading? No, nah, I think he's just playing it cool, just being badass big dick sheriff guy. Okay, okay. Or state troop what is he? State uh, he's, he's a Texas Ranger. A Ranger. He's drinking a beer while talking to the clerk. Yeah. He's a swag, Texas Ranger. Swag, man. Swag. He's, just, he's just drinking the beer to cool off, man. He says it's hot, you know. Earl heads off to use the John, and we soon find out that Pete is a little more acquainted with the robbery than he let on. The robbers themselves are holed up in the very same store at that exact moment. With two young girls held at gunpoint, enter the Gecko brothers, Seth and Richard, played by George Clooney and Quentin Tarantino, respectively. George Clooney, um, obviously everybody knows who the fuck George Clooney is. ER, The Ocean's Trilogy, Perfect Storm, uh, Batman and Robin? Batman Forever. Batman Forever. And Robin. Batman and Forever Robin. is Val Kilmer. Oh, oh what? God. Sorry. Batman so you fucking moron, you just ruined this whole thing. Sorry, I thought of the nipples. The nipples got me. Those hard, hard fucking nipples. Um, and as I alluded to earlier, Chris... 
I'm going to leave talking about Tarantino to you because I know the regard you have for the guy as well as the uh, chub he gives you. Was there anything else you want to add on uh, Tarantino's filmography? Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard-pressed for me to say anything about the man that hasn't been said. He's one of the top, personally, one of the top five directors of all time. I don't think anybody can argue against putting him in the top ten. Maybe the most famous screenwriter ever, considering the fact that most people know the things he's written as opposed to the things he's directed, even though they're one and the same, very quotable, very original. The guy who worked in the video store clerk in L.A., became a, a big shot in Hollywood, makes all the good cool badass movies we know uh the kill bill one to two pulp fiction reservoir dogs just hit his 30th anniversary he's just a great fucking writer weird looking guy wanted to be an actor as you can tell from this movie i don't think he quite got there but the man is talented and he knows movies and hollywood better than anybody and it shows with this uh awesome screenwriting this guy's the most natural fucking ear for dialogue or not even natural um just the coolest dialogue you hear in any fucking movie is usually written by Quentin Tarantino. What a way to introduce these two characters, too, man. This is fucking ER George Clooney you see in for the first time coming at you with a gun with, like, this teenage hostage girl. So definitely a big swing for him, considering we all knew him as the lovely doctor on TV. It's really funny, too. I forgot to mention earlier. Um, this is actually the first screenplay Quentin Tarantino was actually paid to write. Oh, yeah, you were at the rest of spec, right? Yeah, he wrote it and sold it for the hefty sum of $1,500. I say 15 yeah. That's nuts. This is after yeah. Pulp Fiction, too. So I didn't really even look up the numbers this movie grossed, but I think it was like, to, to spawn two sequels as well as a TV series, it had to make its money over, you know, several fold. Oh, yeah, I don't doubt that at all. I think it made $56 million in the box office. For a fucking vampire movie. Yeah, especially a mid-90s. Yeah, this was a big VO, or not yeah. VOD, obviously, but a big home video thing for for me and my crowd. All the other eight-year-olds. Yeah, we was watching this, and we was watching Porky's right after. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Miss Ballbreaker. Remember when she grabbed that dick out of the damn uh, cemetery? That shit was crazy. A lot of sexual abuse of children in those movies, if you think about it. Yeah, because they're all, like, high school age. Yep. Those are different times. It was funny then, man. It was funny back in 86. I, I apologize. We need to retract. <laughs> this movie was made for $19 million and it only grossed U.S. I'm sorry. It, no, it, it only grossed worldwide $25 million. Yeah, this is definitely a home video success, I think. Yeah, exactly what I just said. Home video success as well. <laughs> Oh man! And cable, as we all know, shit played on yeah, cable a it lot. Played on cable. <clears throat> Back when that was a thing. Every time it played on cable, I made sure to find me a uh, secluded area where I could watch it by myself. It's gonna be a dark night. Damn. If you need? If was you that need, because you were studying the film, Drew? You were trying to like learn I was the craft. Studying a certain scene, I was seeing how much lotion I yeah. could use. Um, really trying to figure it out, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, after some pretty terrifying threats. The brothers return to their charade of browsing the wares just as the Texas Ranger finishes draining his lizard. His words, not mine. Just as Earl's about to leave, Richie blasts the Texas Ranger's brains all over Pete's face and puts two more in his chest for good measure. Claiming the clerk was signaling to the lawman for help, he shoots Pete in the shoulder and argues with his brother over the chaos that has ensued as their temporary captives escape. 
Mr. Bottoms, having survived his gunshot wound, opens a safe behind the counter and pops Richie in the hand as the brothers attempt to leave, kicking off a pretty intense firefight that literally leaves the gas station, as well as poor Pete Bottoms in flames. Title card, Dark Knight. Such a dark night. But yeah, the whole shootout sequence that always cracked me up, even as a kid, because uh, he pops Richie in the hand. Of course, Richie's his fucking overzealous psychotic which we've established early on in the movie but then Seth comes at him blasting and he's walking forward blasting this fucking gun and they're shooting at each other and missing and they can't oh, be yeah. three feet away they're from each other they're terrible shots man they're terrible shots these are the worst fucking criminals ever and then you get John Hawks catching a flame which is another pretty cool sequence where he says I'm gonna count the three shoot the bottles behind him cause he's got all the alcohol set up behind him oh yeah cool fucking setup. I never said help us! <laughs> they got shot and then burned alive. Yeah. Talk about a tough day. And then his building blew up. I mean, <laughs> During the opening credits, a song called Dark Knight is played by the Blasters. And while watching this movie, I thought that it was the Kentucky Headhunters who were singing this song. So, Imagine that. Who are the Kentucky Headhunters? The Kentucky Headhunters did, they were bigger than 90s. They did songs like Milkman and Jump Rope. Milkman's about a song about it. his his dad was a milkman. He was fucking the people around the. They uh, got a song called called. His Black dad was Night. fucking the milkman. You said, yeah. that's that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> there was that was milkman. He was like begging all the housewives. Uh, anyway, I got you. Hey, they bring me the milk. I give them some milk before they leave. The uh, Dark Knight was a, such a good song. Back in the LimeWire days, I actually had this uh, downloaded via dial up this song. Yeah, I remember you like dancing around your underwear talking about dark night and you was just fucking going. Hot ass hangs like a dead man. Hey, Joey, what are you doing sitting in the corner when <laughs> you watch the movie with your back to Motherfucker be in the damn closet pretending to be a vampire just staring at me. <laughs> From a wide old tree. I'm like laying in bed and I look up at the closet and he's got his head poking at the closet just looking at me going, people sitting on porch ass thinking how thinking things, how used, things to be. used to be. It's a dark night. I heard, I heard somebody in the closet say, you're going to lick the shit from my boot heel. <laughs> Your name will be Spot. Welcome oh, to man, slavery. This, this movie is so fun. Yeah, I've seen this shit a lot. The brothers find safe harbor at a ratty motel in the middle of nowhere, and we learn that they've kept their female bank teller hostage from the bank heist in the trunk of their car this whole time. Leaving her in the care of his brother, Seth leaves to scout the Mexico border and has set up a meeting with his contact in El Rey. Poor Gloria, man. Do you want to watch TV? Come Why don't you come sit? Come sit on the bed in the room. Yeah. Just sit on, sit she should have knew something. His motherfucker hey. said, take your shoes off. Hey, uh, take your shoes off. Take your shoes off. He's, yeah. like, he's sitting in the bed with his shoes on. It's like, all right, you don't really give a fuck about what the maid's <laughs> I picked up on that, too. I you don't give a fuck out. about the maid right now. Something else is going on. You want to you wanna sniff my feet, man. I know who you are. Boy wants a toe in his mouth while he's watching the movie. What's yeah, damn, Gloria's toe? <laughs> you know Gloria been standing all day in the damn taking people's money and shit. You know her feet. She had there, like you know the what? like the bank teller you know pantyhose she, on. You know she got the fucking bunions, bro. Her yeah. face looked like she was wearing a mask. I don't know. Her face freaked me out. Because she was crying? Because she was Her face looked like her she life, was a football hoodie. player in her early Yeah, life. football player. She looked like a linebacker. Those were heartless fucking bastards. And then... And then Richie found out and that was a fucking linebacker she, she was, boy. But that face, she, look, she looks like she's been in one too many fucking uh, pie-eating contests. Leave this poor fucking woman alone. He's got six little friends 
who can run faster than she can. And they can all run faster than you. The Clooney. The, see, the thing about the Clooney so in this movie is the Clooney is so fucking great. It makes the Tarantino look really fucking awful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because Clooney sure. is on fucking point in this movie. Driving in the car to the hotel, uh, and Tarantino's looking at the hole in his hand. He he takes a swig of like Jack Daniels and then spits it into his hand. <laughs> Why didn't this fucking pour it on his hand? Improv, bitch. <laughs> It looks so much more badass if you like, if you know, let's say, let's say you like have a cut on your finger, right? It's so right, much more badass there. if you just put the Neosporin on your tongue and lick and the fucking wound. Like it. it looks so much more badass. I mean, you're literally by, you're by yourself looking in the fucking mirror the whole time you're doing it, but it's not like you're being recorded. But you know, in your mind, it's so much more badass. Well, you know, he did it as like an improv and Rodriguez was like, cool, Quentin. When I put Thanks for coffee, this $1,500 script. That makes sense. When I put coffee creamer in my coffee in the morning, I take a big swig of the creamer. <laughs> I just fucking spit, just spit it, it right into the fucking coffee. That's how I bathe, honestly. That's I'll get how, like, I'll just squirt like bath soap in my mouth and just fucking spit it on my loofah. Hey. I was watching, I was like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> I think Robert Rodriguez is like just too, he, he's too nice and too, he's too much of a friend to Quentin Tarantino to tell him not to do things in the movie. At a restaurant close by, the Fuller family eat lunch while they discuss their trip through El Paso. The family consists of Jacob the father, played by Tarantino favorite Harvey Keitel, um, taxi driver, Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, The Irishman, uh, to name a few of his credits. His daughter Kate is played by the lovely Juliette Lewis of Natural Born Killers and What's Eating Grilled with Grape fame. And Scott... His adopted Asian son, <laughs> just who <Scott>. we <laughs> never fucking hear from again. I didn't know if you boys realized or not, but in the opening credits, it says introducing, introducing. Dude, he got a guy. fucking introducing credit on From Dust Till Dawn. Never saw his ass ever again. <laughs> introducing, <laughs> introducing and saying goodbye to. At the end of the movie, <laughs> at the end of the movie, farewell. Uh, That's all, folks. <laughs> Kill my career, Kate. Kill my career, Kate. In in memory of. That'll be the fucking end in the fucking movie. We learned that Jacob used to be a man of the cloth, but after the death of his wife, he's lost faith as well as his love for God. They decide to bunk up in a motel for the night, as apparently sleeping in an RV sucks ass. I gotta stop you. I gotta stop you. I busted out laughing when the daughter asked her father, what would our mother think? And he says, nothing. Your mother's dead. Your mom's <laughs> She's dead. <laughs> He's got a very, he's got a very unusual <laughs> delivery in this movie. Because if you see him in anything else, he's a very like, he's like a talky guy, like a very authoritative guy. And this one, he's just like fucking bare bones. Well, I, think like he's, I think part of the reason is, it's like I think they allude to it a little bit later. He's like a recovering alcoholic. The guy, he's he's already like on edge. I think throughout the movie quite a bit. Just like a man talking about his dead wife. Nothing. Your mother's dead. She's dead. <laughs> and he had a, kind of a weird accent going on, too. But I digress. Did we mention John Saxon? We saw pop up on the tube here. Yeah, but Jesus, there's so many people in this fucking movie. I can't I'm just I throw so it out there. For John Saxon I'm just going to throw yeah. it out there. I appreciate the fact that old Johnny Saxon got five minutes of B-roll footage put in here. And Pete him. Bottoms' uh, picture on the news was awesome. Yeah, holding up like the swordfish. <laughs> holding up that bass, boy. He got that bass. About an eight, nine-pound bass. I saw that. <laughs> he was happy as fuck. He looked like Joey when he got this on VHS back in the day. 
Seth returns to the motel, greasy hamburgers in hand, to find Richie watching the door, gun in hand. After checking out the border, Seth remarks about the number of cops patrolling, and Richie informs Seth that, via the news, the entire force of Texas law, the FBI, the Rangers, as well as law enforcement, have guaranteed their apprehension within 48 hours. Seth notices their hostage is missing and questions Richie. Opening the door to the bedroom, Seth finds she's the in, body uh, of the bank teller. She's in there. She's in there. She's in the room. What's she doing in there? I don't know. She's in there. He's so fucking creepy, dude. Yeah, he's super creepy. He's super, super creepy. Creech. He's like Creech yeah. from Saved I'm by the fucking, I'm, I'm thinking about Creech, man. I can't get over this shit. <laughs> he reminds uh, me of that Skeeter motherfucker. He's dead, by the way. R.I.P. Yeah, he died of cancer. What's, what's Creech think about it? Nothing. Asshole He's dead. He had, a, he had a big dick. That's what they say. Hey, well, ain't that something to be dead with? Hey. Richie, who we discover is a rapist as well as a sexual predator, tries to plead his case for why the woman is dead, but Seth knows how sick and depraved his brother actually is. Nasty fuck. So we only know that Richie raped her because... Seth said he did. Her blouse is like undone too if you look in the background image. Well, he could have he pulled her tits out and stabbed her. He, I don't know. I don't the know. fuck going to go through all that to damn stab somebody in the titties? In the era of tits. people calling Freddy Krueger a child molester, which he is not, I have to defend things like that. Oh, shit, I think there's like eight movies to fucking back that up. Jackie or Haley taught me about that. Oh, God. We don't talk about the dark the children. <laughs> the children love They're me. coming. But yeah, this is a disgusting scene. This, this is surprising yeah, for me, considering how young I was when I saw this. What I probably took out of it as a kid. But I guess I just understood the fact that he was just fucking gross. Which is weird. To, you write this movie, and you choose to play this character, you know, who is just fucking disgusting. The Fuller family make it to the motel. But unfortunately for them, this motel just happens to be the same one the Gecko brothers have taken up residence in. Not long after arriving, the Fullers find themselves taken hostage by Seth and his brother, who want to use their family and RV to cross the border under the guise of a family trip into Mexico. The five of them load into the RV and make their way towards the border. Before long, they arrive, and the checkpoint is swarming with feds along with canine units and border patrol. Now, there's a line that uh, Juliette Lewis... Um, Famously uses uh, in this scene right before this, where it's back where in, they're the hotel in the room, yeah. uh, hotel room. If uh, one of you guys want the honor, yeah, I mean, because at this point we're at the border checking, and Richie's making sure to follow up on a bit of conversation that happened earlier. He says, uh, "Do you, did you mean what you said back there in the room?" She says, "What do you what in the room? What you said? Did you did you mean it?" And then he Seth cuts him got off. Teeth out. Yeah, it's really fucking creepy. The way he says room always bothered me, too. He says room. But then we we remember back in the room when he first meets Kate, she comes in fresh out of the pool in the bikini top, towel wrapped up, and then he's standing in the corner behind her. And we get, like, this weird POV spinning thing, which obviously is to make you understand that this is something he's fucking imagining because this dude's fucking sick. It's almost like a fisheye lens or something, right? And then the character says... Richie, will you do me a favor and eat my pussy for me, please? To which Richie, talking to himself, goes, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sh- sure, sure. Of course, yeah. Sorry, yeah. I'd be glad to do that for you. Of course. Fucking gross, wow. man. 
But I do appreciate the fact that even watching this as a young man, I understood the way from the way that it was shot that it was not really being said to him. Let's just take a let's take a pause here, fellas, and talk about how we've all watched this when we were probably seven years old. So yeah, that's fucking wild to think about. But Mom, what's he mean right. when he says eat that pussy? We turned out all right. Please, he also she also said please. I mean that's awful nice. Please, yeah, she, she taught me to use my manners. And I like caught myself the other day saying, "Would you eat my butthole for me, please?" I remember Please. I learned that as a kid. So. I will say in this scene, not connected to that, but the Chinese slash Japanese son um, is wearing a Precinct 13 shirt in regards to John Carpenter. Yeah, so That's pretty cool. Got to get those illusions in there, man. Clooney calls him Chinese, and Cattell calls him Japanese, and George Clooney's like, well, fuck me. And he says, dirty <laughs> knees, look at these, and he just keeps on fucking going. Yeah, Richie's fucking gross. And as we see, based on some clever camera work, we can kind of see how his mind works. He kind of makes up his own wow. reality. Oh, he starts def- he starts to defeat and fucking works some shits up. What's in Mexico? Mexicans. Mm, Mexicans. That was a great line. <laughs> but then, I mean, leading up to this, he also has like a stare down with her foot for like a good 10 seconds. Obviously not like during my notes taking, but I watched this again in the gym because it's like a very like upbeat movie to watch while you're on like a, a, a treadmill. And uh, I love the rape scene, man. I go so much faster. <laughs> I gotta get. I'm in cadence with Richie now. I was watching. Part, is this the part where he puts the gun in the pussy? I was watching the scene where it's like a slow camera workup of her body, and it just like was very awkward to watch on a treadmill. I don't know around people, it freaked me out. <laughs> I oh, skipped ahead. Oh, that boy like toes over there on the treadmill. <laughs> I never seen anybody run with a boner before. <laughs> Hiding in the bathroom of the motorhome with Kate at gunpoint, Seth and Richie argue about the plan as the Border Patrol and K Nine circle the RV. Richie, convinced that their plan won't work, continues to berate his brother with increasing agitation until Seth, left him no other option, knocks his brother out cold, breaking his glasses in the process. The noise alarms a BP agent, played by none other than Cheech Baron of the drug-loving duo Cheech and Chong, who checks the bathroom of the RV only to find Kate taking a shit, and who very politely asks, Do you mind? Shut the fucking door, please. The BPA reluctantly closes the door and clears the ragtag group for entry into Mexico. None the wiser. More creepy fuckers, man. George Clooney runs to the back of the bus, grabs the sun by the face, and says, (laughs) We're in Mexico, you little piece of shit. (laughs) I think that part right there is fucking improvised. Because the Asian kid, once he stops rubbing his face, looks scared. And then he like (laughs) starts rubbing his head like, It's okay, little, little Asian guy. It's okay, I'm winning an Oscar, buddy. You just you take this. Like he does, he does the face grab like a fucking half second too long, and he just alarms the shit out of him. <laughs> you little piece of shit. <laughs> I think we can acknowledge, like to this point, we're pretty well into the movie, and we've got like a crime heist thriller. Like there's no horror elements yet. Yeah, it's like a crime crime drama. That's really what it is. I heard there was vampires in this film, fellas. Uh, I think we may be getting to that point. Richie wakes to find his glasses broken and no recollection of what happened. Seth brushes the incident off, saying Richie just passed out. Night falls as the gang pulls up to the rendezvous point for Seth's contact, a biker-slash-trucker bar called the Titty Twister. 
and what a glorious bar it is. Illuminated neon signs and all the carnitas you can handle. Hyping up the festivities inside, we meet the second character played by Cheech Marin, apparently named Chet Pussy. Chet has a bit of a monologue here that, with my co-host's permission, I'd like to perform for you now. Oh, you can have that one. That's that's an all-timer Please. right there. Anybody else want to take, take, the a, floor. take a shot at this? All right, pussy, 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 come on in, pussy lovers. Here at the Titty Twister, we're slashing pussy in half. Give us an offer on our fast selection of pussy. This is a pussy blowout. All right, we got white pussy, black pussy, Spanish pussy, yellow pussy. We got hot pussy, cold pussy. We got wet pussy. We got smelly pussy. We got heavy pussy, bloody pussy. We got snapping pussy. We got silk pussy, velvet pussy, naga hide pussy. We even got horse pussy, dog pussy, chicken pussy. Come on in, you pussy lovers. You want pussy? Come on in. If we don't got it, you don't want it. Come on in, pussy lovers. I think I kind of fucked it up right there at the end, but you guys got the gist. That was a, a one take. Was just great. so everybody at home knows, that was a one take. That was uh, a verified one. Please what a judge monologue, man. What a monologue. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's like one of How do you the, write one that? of my favorite scenes. Like, did you do did Tarantino write that or Rodriguez? Tarantino wrote all the script. Really? I feel like this yeah. is the switch. Like the switch, obviously we're going to see by the end of the movie. Of course, probably has happens. some Cheech improv in there too, but yeah, still, a, just the concept. I'm sure not all of those types were in the script. Just the concept of the of this monologue is fucking incredible. I died laughing when the like gimmick that your local auto dealer uses with the tires of buying <laughs> a pussy at full price and getting the second one for a penny. Oh, hey, that's, <laughs> that's the second part of the monologue I'm about to do as well. Okay. I'm not leaving that one out, trust me. Okay. <laughs> so, um, before the group enters the bar, Seth briefs them on the situation. His contact, Carlos, is going to meet him at dawn as the bar closes. So, the plan is to hang out until the meeting can take place, at which point the Fuller family would be free to go. And with y'all's permission once again, I'd like to finish the second part of MC Chet's speech, if I may. Do it. Attention pussy shoppers, take advantage of our penny pussy sale. If you buy one piece of pussy at the regular price, you get another piece of pussy of equal or lesser value for only a penny. Try and beat pussy for a penny. If you can find cheaper pussy anywhere, fuck it. (laughs) What is equal or lesser value? It was a great line. (laughs) I don't know how he like said all that shit without laughing. Like, I don't know if you could ever oh. consider, like, Cheech Marin a serious actor. However, he fucking killed that. Yeah, some great I think there's a cut in there somewhere. But oh, yeah, a at cuts. the same time, I mean, it's still great. Yeah, his delivery yeah. is awesome. I don't think he could have got through the whole thing in one cut without laughing. Oh, it was so fucking good, man. You know, the fucking Asian boy sitting over there giggling and shit to himself. What about... What, what about... What about turtle pussy? What does the lesser value mean, Dad? <laughs> oh, a new flavor. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, oh, a new flavor. Low main pussy. Poor Kate once again gets accosted yeah, poor by another Kate. dirty fucker. Uh, I use accost. Accost is the exact word I used. Um, Chet tries to stop Seth from going in after accosting Kate. 
to which Seth doesn't take kindly and breaks his nose, with Richie getting in a few cheap shots of his own. He says, ooh, a new flavor. Apple pie pussy. <laughs> actually, I think your fucking accent is way better than mine. <laughs> yeah, he's so, fucking disgusting. And again, we see Seth is the only person not related to Kate that doesn't treat her like a fucking piece of apple pie pussy. So once inside, yeah. and after convincing the barkeep, played by Danny Trejo, to serve them some booze, the gang settles down for the long night ahead. Oh, Have we cannot. You, I know we can't gloss over Danny Trejo. No, no, no. Oh, not what is it? We're not even. It's just something else. You forgot about the Lost Lonely Boys at the at at the stage. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You, fucking great. Let me let me let me hit you with one one Trejo fact or one Trejo little tidbit. And Give it to me. I mean, because the music's really nice. I want you to talk about the music. Give me a number, an outrageous, absurd fucking number for acting credits for Danny Trejo. Give me an absurd fucking number. A hundred movies. Considering the man was in prison and does this for the money, <laughs> I'm going to go 150. All right, times that by three and then knock off like 20. Fuck. Jesus. 419 acting credits. Get them dead. With, with like 14 movies scheduled to come out here within the next few years. With him having a part in it. This has to have been the wow. first time I've saw Danny Trejo. This movie yeah, was my introduction so. to a lot of people. Yeah, 100%. I had a note that said, I didn't know Danny Trejo could look young, but he looks young. <laughs> yeah, Danny Trejo definitely, he, I don't know if you'd call him the best actor ever, but he's very good at playing these like parts. Like he's a blue collar actor for that many credits. Yeah, he's, Jesus. Yeah. he's got the cool Hispanic tough guy look. I saw some videos, uh, if you want to go on a little YouTube trip, of him working out on Muscle Beach back in like the late 80s, like for a commercial. Like he's getting interviewed working out on Muscle Beach. It's pretty fucking cool. I was like, is that fucking Danny Trejo? <laughs> Look it up, though. It's, it's pretty awesome. Who do you want to talk about the band? So the band is actually Robert Rodriguez's actual band. He is in this band. He plays guitar, right? That yes, that he plays a guitar. Uh, the song is very good, but yes. I will say I thought that it was the Lost Lonely Boys when I first saw them. God damn it! More than words, how far is heaven? Oh, Wait, is more than words their song too? No, more than words. The song. Fuck, it was more than words. That was extreme or some shit, wasn't it? Oh shit! I blew that. How far is heaven? Oh, that shit was like eight years after this hootie. That was on a country uh, station, by the way. That was considered a country song. But this band is fucking great. They legitimately yeah, sound fantastic. like they're making good music. So They have two songs on the soundtrack. Yeah, that yes. swooping camera, like that when they first walk in, does a 360. That shit is so cool. They'll scan the money, wanna. Scan the money, wanna. What they're saying, but I knew all this, this is fucking great, man. I think they were just reading off like the the two dollar menu at Taco Bell. The band is named Tito and the Tarantula. Tarantula, there we go. Yeah, can you please say Tarantula? Tarantula. 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 I mean, speaking of first introductions, this is probably also this is probably burying the lead here, but this is my first introduction to Quentin Tarantino, so. This is a very formative movie in my 
film appreciation history. That's probably my. That's probably all of us are. Yeah, 100%. I would definitely agree with that statement. We got introduced to him as a shitty actor. Exactly. This is the fuck I knew him as. I don't think he's been in much since, has he? I mean, he's Did been he in his be, own movies. He played a role, one role in... Oh, yeah, that's right. He was in Pulp Fiction. Yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. He's been in, he was in Django. He had parts in Glorious Bastards. Yeah, you're right, you're right. Scanning around the bar, we meet a few interesting characters. The whip-toting and codpiece revolver-wielding sex machine played by a horrible film school podcast favorite, Tom Savini. Tommy. And the cigar-smoking domino fan himself, Frost, played by former Oakland Raiders and Kansas City Chiefs defensive back, Fred Williamson, whose acting chops stem all the way back to the early 70s, where he was one of the first African-American male action stars of the exploitation genre. I could definitely see him being like, he had the the physique of a black exploitation actor. I didn't know he was a defensive he's, back though. That dude's fucking huge. Yeah, he's a DB. He's such a cool dude. I think DBs back then were just like they were just safeties. These big guess ass Ronnie Lott types, I guess. Yeah. yeah, you kind of just like put all those guys together in one group. The whole purpose was to knock somebody the fuck out. <laughs> True, but yeah, uh, Tom Savini is fucking awesome in this. My first introduction to him, of course. Dude, he can the act. Dick Gun, the classic Dick Gun, one of the coolest props you've ever you'll ever see in a movie. Absolutely love Fred Williamson playing, like, stacking his dominoes. And the, the, there's a topless stripper above him who was dancing. And knocks his, his dominoes. He's so mad. God, God damn it. God damn, girl. I ain't worried about them beautiful breasts. <laughs> trying to stack these out of my dominoes. face. I'm trying to stack this shit. <laughs> I don't think that's how you play dominoes. I think he, he was just it's trying not. to make a house yeah. or some shit. Out of I don't know jack shit about dominoes. I think he was just fucking around. So after we're introduced to these characters... The lights draw dim. What follows is, in my opinion, the sexiest scene I have to this day ever seen in a movie, TV mm-hmm. show, maybe even fucking porno. Taking the stage, and my young innocence as well, is Salma Hayek. Has Santanico Pandemonium. Pandemonium. The only thing that fucks this scene up for me at all is when Quentin Tarantino starts sucking on them toes. Other than that, this shit is hot. No, that don't even that doesn't even take me out of it, man. This is the moment where you realize that Quentin Tarantino wrote this movie, like I was saying before. But this shit is the definition of sexy without being what's the word? Like overtly over without being pornographic. Yeah. Like her if to the point where we were talking about earlier, I don't know if it's on it's going to make the podcast or not, but if she had her titties out, it wouldn't be as sexy. She's a beautiful the fact woman. That she's, the fact that she's covered up and leaves something to the imagination makes it sexy. Okay, you two, pick your jaws up, because I do not have the same af- affection to this scene as you two do. Mainly because of the snake. I hate snakes. Oh, and the like whole fear, huh? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And as soon as the snake comes off of her, she's like ten times hotter. And, hold on to that point, she had to go through therapy because Selma Hayek is also terrified of snakes. It's so funny. It's so funny how you're on one end of the spectrum, I'm on the other end of the spectrum. I have this thing where I was wishing I was the fucking snake. Oh, I, got, I, was, I got this thing about choking. <laughs> I'm like, I want to choke the <laughs> fuck out of Selma Hayek. Yeah, I think that was a fucking python or anaconda. It's, it'll squeeze you. Yeah, a boa it's, constrictor, a, it's a big motherfucker. Oh, no, that was actually a python. I guess in my mind, I didn't really even fucking see the snake as a kid. I just saw that just beautiful tan skin with that like 
the abs and the ch- it's just yeah, it's Jesus. Just, All I saw was a snake. Gorgeous lady, my man. Gorgeous, gorgeous. Of course, she's done a lot of a lot of good stuff. It's probably my first introduction to her, but this definitely put her on my list of uh, definitely top of the exotic woman in my Desperado, life as a ten year old. she's fucking oh my god. Yeah. I will say that I get her confused with Penelope Cruz, and I do apologize what the for having fuck? to say that. Yeah, yeah, it happens. Fools rush in with the, the fuck is the guy oh, Chandler God, from Jesus, Friends? Man. She's sitting there picking cactus out of his ass. I'm like, man, I she's wish the I kind of lady that's so hot that I would watch fucking fools rush in, which is like a romantic comedy as a child. Is it? <laughs> she in Grown Ups? I didn't make it that far into a filmography. She's in Grown Ups. I had this, and I had fools rush in. I was set, man. As the show draws to a close, Chet, along with the barkeep and bouncer, make their way to the gang's table where both Seth and his brother draw their guns and the barkeep plants his knife in Richie's duct tape bandaged hand. Seth puts three bullets in the bouncer while Richie pulls the knife from his hand and stabs the bartender several times in the chest, assuming both are down for the count. The Gecko brothers turn their attention back to Chet and Mag Dump till he lays limp on the bar's floor. Neither Richie nor Seth noticed that standing on their table, the seductress, who only moments ago was sucking on Richie's chin, has fixated her attention on Ricky's gushing wound as she transforms into a goddamn shit-sucking vampire. And then we officially have a separate movie entirely. And from the switch on flips. Here's the change. Here's the change that you hear a lot of people talk about turns them off from the movie. Turns them off. Turned off here? Uh, yeah. That's, this is when it big. becomes a horror movie. Once though. we once we start reading some of the reviews and stuff here in a bit, and uh, we're uh, interesting. We're have an example. Okay. I got the Jr. sense of business is about to pick up. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much full speed from here on out. Yeah, this is where it becomes a straight up Robert Rodriguez movie. Leaping onto his back, the newly transformed vampire seeks her fangs into Richie's neck as Seth struggles to reload his revolver. Eventually, a well-placed shot puts her down, but not before the damage is done and Ricky succumbs to his mortal wound. Just as Seth realizes his brother is gone, the three assailants from earlier spring back to life, all bearing fangs as well as facial deformations. The bar erupts into chaos as one of the dancers, now a vamp, Bars the exit, and the rest of the staff begin to feast on and tear apart the clientele. Dinner is served. So we see Tarantino go down. He's the fallen brother here. He says, fucking bitch. And he dies. Fucking bitch. <laughs> After some pretty run-of-the-mill, stake-through-the-heart, gold-cross-in-the-mouth type kills, all that remain alive are the Fullers, Seth, Frost, and Sex Machine. I say that they were pretty, you know, cliche-type kills for, like, vampire movies. However, the four strippers impaled on a turned-over table, its legs, that was pretty damn cool. And then Frost ripping the steel-beaten heart out of the uh, fat fat bouncer's chest, that was badass. Hey, monkey man. I didn't get that line. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. However, everyone else... Both creatures of the night and humans are dead, including the band. Seth finds the body of his brother and apologizes for not being able to save him. 
It's a vampire movie, so unsurprisingly, Richie comes back to life, now infected with vampirism. Is it because Tarantino has such a fucked up facial structure that his vampire looks more like a Frankenstein, <laughs> Frankenstein. as opposed to an actual vampire? As a kid, I thought it was a fucking Frankenstein. I will say that I'm glad that they wrote the script to where Seth takes him out. Like, there's no like, he's yeah, my brother. We gotta kind of thing. He delivers a, he delivers a line here in a second that I want to repeat. That's actually it is very well written and conveys their relationship perfectly. So Seth, after coming to terms with what he must do, hammers a stake into his brother's chest, granting him the peace in death that he could not give him in life. Just as things seem to be calming down, thousands of bats descend upon the titty twister, and the customers who weren't torn apart begin to spring back to life as bloodsuckers. The survivors make their rounds, staking those who come back and those who have yet to turn. Almost barring a trope from zombie movies, Sex Machine is bitten in the process of this extermination and hides his wound from the still living. I got so <laughs> pissed off during that scene. Then he got bitten? Yeah, because he's such a smart character, and that was just like a dumb thing for a smart character to do. I don't, I don't know. felt forced to me that, that like each character got to say like their one little piece about how to kill a vampire. After some character exposition, Sex Machine, now fully a vampire, latches on to Frost's back and tears into his neck as well as Jacob's arm. After a struggle in which he kicks everyone's ass, Sex Machine charges Frost who launches the newly turned vamp through a wooden window. The window bursts the splinters and the bats flood the bar as Frost himself turns. Seth, Kate, and Scott find refuge in a storeroom where the freight of all the trucks left at the bar is stored. Fred turns, well, Frost, sorry. Frost turns super fast. It can pay like immediate. I think it's because he's so damn big. I thought he, he did get a neck. He had been the neck, though, right? Versus the arm. So. Yeah, you see how chunky his neck is, though? He's got all neck chunk. But it's going to get to, like, the heart quicker. That story about Frost about Nam was awesome. I think here, here in a second, though, we're actually going to realize it was all bullshit. Jacob bandages his arm behind the bar, hidden from the creatures. Having rediscovered his faith in God, Jacob fashions a makeshift cross out of a bat and pump shotgun and makes his way to the storeroom amongst a sea of gnashing vampires. Once inside, Jacob and the crew begin to dig through the items and put together an arsenal of vampire-killing tools, such as holy water water guns and condom balloons, a crossbow, and a gas-powered jackhammer modded with a wooden stake. They begin the cleansing of the bar, taking out the demons left and right until Sex Machine decides to rejoin the fray. Seth decapitates him with his own whip, of course, but his body transforms into a rat werewolf or what a were rat. Was what was that? A yeah, were rat? I say were rat. A creature that puts Seth on his ass before Kate finishes off with a crossbow bolt. Uh, it looks like a rat. It's got a giant fucking tail. It looks like a rat in the face. So what the fuck was he like a werewolf? We didn't know about it. Who got turned into a vampire? I have no or some shit. Clue. I think that was just like Robert Rodriguez being like, "It can't just be vampires, dog. We got those." Oh man, we got like ten thousand more dollars to spend on effects. Let's just throw this shit in here. It's I was so like, cool. "What just happened?" It's so cool too because I went on like K and B's um, website, the uh, the effects group or whatever. Oh man, they got this for sale. Can I get an NFT of it? Oh, K and B, excuse me, K and B's website and. Uh, 
they just have all their like creature creature models they've ever made. They had uh, the rat, the rat werewolf. They actually did some work on uh, Hootie's movie with Thomas Jane, uh, The Mist. Ooh, they did some of the creatures, classic. some of the practical effects on uh, The Mist. So, in regards to the weapons, I have a question. They come out, and obviously there's like there's the cross shotgun, and there's the spike jackhammer thing, and there's the crossbow. The boy has a super soaker with holy water, and this he has son the best weapon. Is mowing down everybody. Why didn't the best weapon. Why didn't they just have all super soakers? It's fucking stupid. He okay. has the most efficient Dude, weapon. Yeah, okay. I mean that's just all it is to it. Like, right, I, just, I found a crossbow. You give a crossbow to Kate, who's got the arm strength of a dying cat. There's no way she's pulling back the string on a fucking crossbow. That's no way. Sexist. You ever seen Hunger Games? You don't fucking know, man. That's Katniss Everdeen you're talking about there, buddy. This kid is mowing down vamps with that holy water super soaker. Yeah, if, they should, if everybody, if all, if they all just had condoms filled with water, hey, that would have been uh, the kill shot for the entire bar. There's another great uh, piece of dialogue when they're in there loading up on all these weapons and shit, and uh, they're kind of like realize coming to grips with what they're dealing with. And Seth says, "I think we got a bunch of fucking vampires out there trying to get in here and suck our fucking blood." He's just the epitome of cool in this movie. Jacob has his own troubles as he kills Frost and is surrounded by a group of vampires. Now, not going to gloss over this part because Hootie brought the Vietnam story. He threatens to hit him with a shotgun. And the motherfucker turns to mush. He just cowers into nothing. I think it just I think that right there was meant to show that his whole story about Vietnam is bullshit. Interesting. And is surrounded by a group of vampires. They back off, however, just as Jacob turns and decides to go for some Chinese takeout, ripping into Scott's neck. That's fucked up. It's Japanese. He's Japanese. Chinese, damn it. It's Chinese. He's Chinese. <laughs> Harvey Gattel as a vampire looks like a drunk homeless man. He looks it didn't wild, even look man. like it was him in the makeup. It looked like a different actor. He looks like he's got a bunch of fucking leaves on his ears. So weird. <laughs> like an elf or something. When the main actors turn into vamps, like they turn into whole other people, apparently. Tarantino, Sex Machine, and Harvey Gattel. <laughs> Scott wrestles him off and puts a bullet into him, ending Jacob's new life. Just as Scott himself is swarmed. Kate reluctantly puts him out of his misery and stands back to back with Seth as their doom closes in. Through the cracks in the walls and barricade, daylight pours through. Out of ammo and moments from death, the two hear a banging on the door as Seth's contact, Carlos, arrives. Carlos and his goons break down the door and Seth and Kate escape. The remaining vampires exploding as light fills the bar. Hitting that fucking disco ball. That was pretty funny. It's such a cool fucking bar, and then they got this cheesy ass. Yeah, it definitely only had that one effect. There's only one reason to have it. It's for this shot at the end. Didn't the bar seem a lot smaller in that last scene? When they did the swoop in 360, it looked huge. It did, but if you think about like where the camera's situated, there's probably only like 10 feet between them and the bar when they first walk in. It's not far. There's like one table between them and the bar. It was very deceptive. They made it appear a lot bigger than it was while we yeah, were Yeah, they made it. it feel like it was a damn huge warehouse. Yeah. But then, of course, we got Cheech Marin showing up for the third time here as Carlos, the contact. 
And also, I said they uh, Kate reluctantly puts him out of his misery talking about Scott. I guess we can say that for the audience as well for not having a kill me, Scott. Kate. <laughs> kill, kill me, Kate. Kill me now, Why does Kate. He f- so she pops his ass and he explodes. Fucking explodes. <laughs> Why? I think he had swallowed. A, I think he had swallowed a bunch of that uh, holy water beforehand. I think no Tarantino had or Tarantino Richie had been giving him nitroglycerin when nobody was fucking looking because he was just going to plant it in off of his think, ass. Later. I think he exploded in real life so they wouldn't have to see him in any other movie. Like he literally died in this movie. He died that day. After discussing a better deal with Carlos, Seth gives Kate a small cut of his take, and they go their separate ways. The camera begins to pan out as the credits roll. And we see that what we thought was a bar is actually an old Mayan temple, alluding to the possibility of a sequel or two in a TV show, maybe. But in a video game. that's another episode. So concludes 1996's From Dusk Till Dawn. It's a dark night. Got to see the fullness of Seth's tattoo outside of the bar, which is cool. I didn't realize it was only uh, a one arm sleeve. I thought I thought it was both as as a kid. Did we even talk about how fucking cool that that tattoo was and how much I wanted as a, as as a teenager? The cool neck tribal, like flames licking at his head. Yeah, the full arm at the end. It's nice. Obviously, if you have one of those tattoos now, you're a tool. But the same yeah, time, it's like does not age well. It was, back then, that it shit was, was a product so of 1995. Cool. Yeah, it was it was awesome. For the guy who got it in '95, who was listening to the show today. We're sorry. Two things. At the end, George Cody has an awesome lineup. I might be a bastard, but I'm not a fucking bastard. But I ain't a fucking bastard. And what is she supposed to do in Mexico by herself with a handful of cash? She can go back home, right? No, she don't have a family. She don't have a family. Her family's dead. Her mother's dead. she afford dead. a mortgage on that damn little bit of $30 he gave her? She could drive back to the U.S. though. Is what she I'm can't saying. afford she gas to, to get Mexico. home with that big ass RV. She ain't got a license. He gave her like five thousand dollars, right? What's she gonna do at the border when they say you ain't got a passport? I had a lot of questions, man. What happened to Kate? She's probably hooking or in license Mexico or whatever right it takes to get you out of out of Mexico. You know, she might be baking that apple pie. Apple pie, pussy. What if she said, "Fuck it, I'm staying till dark. I'm going back in the bar and I'm getting bitten because it's just it's just better." <laughs> So well, the whole point of this bar was to lure people in, right? Like that's their whole, the whole shebang, right? It's to get the, the with the bang. with the big pussy, and little pussy, Chris, and the wet pussy, <laughs> smelly pussy. All right, we got that in the books, boys. Let's go on to some, some uh, memorabilia conversations here. Hootie, what do you want to take away from this? So when I saw it as a kid, and I saw it as a grown ass man, okay. There's one thing and one thing only that I want, that I want to wear and use and walk around the house with, and that is Sex Machine's crotch gun. One of the most badass weapons in cinema history, bar none. Cock rocket, I like it. I just don't know how it works, because does his actual penis make it open and close, or is there a lever? Actually, I looked into it, it was his ball. His Butthole. He's got like a he's got a thing that goes with his butthole, and anytime he tightens it up, it's one so of he's got a butt plug but, in yeah. butt plug so that he pulls gotta, on. You, you got you get it, but you got to use the butt plug to operate. So yeah, yeah. a little foxtail. You I just got to clinch on it. Didn't realize that was a part of the contraption. Now yeah. I'm regretting my decision. <laughs> Wait till you hear what the ammo is made out of. 
Hootie never sits down when he comes over. I don't know what the fuck's going on. For me personally, give me uh, Miss Pandemonium's headdress. Anything that was a part of that woman. Just give me that. I did not expect a headdress to be chosen during this. Okay. Anything that was touching that lady, let me have it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Okay. Um, me, I need that giant albino Burmese reticulated python. Oh, uh, God. But I need That's, it. That was Joy's nickname in high school. But there's, there's a caveat. I need it right after the scene with Salma. I mean, I want to have it right as she takes it off. Otherwise, I don't want it. It's got to have some sweat on it. Are you going to lick this fucking snake? This week's fan reviews, once again, come by way of IMDb uh, with a perfect 10 out of 10. Dub for life. Hails this as greatest movie ever. Yes. He's got some weird cadences in here in this review, so just bear with me. This is the greatest movie ever. Best one-liners. Great dialogue. One of the only vampire movies worth watching. Clooney rocks. Tarantino did a great job writing the movie and Salma Hayek. Salma Hayek. (laughs) Half-naked Salma Hayek. Need I say more? I can understand why a female wouldn't appreciate the movie. It's definitely a man flick. Men, enjoy the movie. Greatest movie, in my not-so-humble opinion. The storyline actually works. The actors all did a great job, with the exception of the Japanese kid, Scott Fuller. His acting abilities are as almost as His acting abilities are almost as bad as Keanu Reeves. Fuck. Juliette Lewis, Clooney, Tarantino, the guy that played Jacob Fuller, and Cheech Marin. Need I say more? Cheech Marin was hilarious in all his parts. If you find cheap of pussy anywhere, fuck it. LOL. Great movie. Great dialogue. Damn, is this over yet? Jesus Christ. Watch this movie. Buy this movie. Know this movie. Know this movie. So that's uh that's our ten out of ten, Fuck ten out of ten yeah, for bro. the win review by uh, Dub for Life and on the other spectrum, other end of the spectrum, uh, user Alugine gives From Dust Till Dawn one star and elaborates in their review titled "As Useless and Overrated as Adam Sandler's Career." Fuck. I've seen some really <laughs> awful and brain dead films, but this one's phenomenal. Starting with an unclear but intriguing premise, it ends up veering off into a cheap Disney ride for bad acting and cliches. Not only was this done a million times before in some form or another, but even the worst of them were better than this high school home ec project that, shockingly, didn't end the careers of more people. Only Juliette Lewis, who was the most talented of the bunch, disappeared into oblivion. For anyone who thinks this is anything more than a poor sci-fi channel after-school special, you seriously need to get more out of life than collecting your navel lint. Not surprisingly, the last shot of this painful waste of talent is the cheesiest-looking, painted, matte shot created since Earthquake, where Ava Gardner and her career drowned simultaneously. I'm thinking of suing Netflix for offering me this DVD. Damn. DVD. This is back in it's the day. It's a fucking old review, man. If they, when they got the DVD offerings. So, with all that said, uh, we're going to stagger these a little bit because I think Chris and me uh, have a similar opinion on this movie. 
I think Hootie does as well, but we're, we're still going to stagger it. I'll go first, get my knocked out, then Hootie, then Chris. All right. This movie is a very strong B for me. Uh, definitely a nostalgia trip, and I'll admit, that really makes me want to push it into A territory. Uh, that and Salma Hayek's gyration helped turn me from a boy into a man. That should be good enough for at least one letter grade bump, right? Used to watch this with Chris at least once a week back in the day. I would argue this is one of George Clooney's best performances, if not his very best. The acting is stellar, aside from Ernest Lou and Tarantino. Uh, don't get me wrong, the dude's a genius, but doesn't belong on the screen. The practical effects are everything you want in this type of movie. The soundtrack is superb. The dialogue is perfect. Uh, which being written by Tarantino himself, we expect nothing less. The switch the movie makes halfway through, this is the make or break point for most people. And for me, it's what makes the movie so damn memorable and unique. On par with The Lost Boys in terms of vampire horror and horror in general, this is the type of movie I feel this podcast was made for. If there are any negatives to speak of, one could debate that the second half of the movie is quite a bit weaker than the first with it almost seeming like a Tarantino-directed first half and a Robert Rodriguez-directed second half. This isn't a knock on Robbie, Robbie Rod uh, at all, as I enjoy his catalog, but the change is noticeable and a big turnoff for uh, a, decent, a decent number of people, according to some reviews. Um, obviously, this is, this is one of my all-time favorite movies, and maybe after this review, it'll be one of yours as well. Have not seen this film in many years, I forgot what to expect. The beginning of the film sets up the Gecko brothers as ruthless killers trying to flee the country. And by the end of the movie, somehow, I found myself rooting for them. Or at least, Seth Gecko. Also, I really enjoyed Harvey Cattell's character and his battle with losing his faith in God. Only to need it in the end. One hell of a ride, and always loved seeing Tom Savini and Fred Williamson. I did not go over how much I like Fred Williamson in this movie, but love the guy. I give From Dust Till Dawn a solid B, just like Joy. So this has been a part of my life since the day it was released on VHS. So a fresh take is probably going to be a bit of a challenge. You remember back in the day when that VHS had previews before the movie? This is the type of shit I watched so much I could quote the damn previews. And watching the trailer with you guys the other day, every scene and badass quote was still fresh in the old think meat. The movie is just fucking cool. Something I knew even as a kid, before I even understood the concepts of Tarantino and screenplay. The premise is unique, and the movie damn near writes itself. Clooney is as badass as he ever would be. The practical effects are perfect for the tone. It's quotable as fuck. And Salma Hayek changed the definition of sexy to a younger version of myself. So in honor of that woman, I will kneel and worship at the feet of Santanico Pandemonium. I'm going to give this a B plus. All right, with our opinions behind us, let's go over some audience score for Rotten Tomatoes here. Recap our guesses. Uh, Joseph went with a 70%. I did an 80%. Hootie, an 82%. I gave it the respect it deserved. And with our new five-point cushion here, we're going to reveal the actual score as 76%. Good God. Boom. Oh, shit. Your boy. Four points off. Damn, <sighs> we got to pick, we get to pick <laughs> against. I gave it too much credit. 
The system yeah. feels rigged. I haven't picked anything since Thanksgiving. You're welcome. That's a good pick. Everybody <laughs> loves Thanksgiving. It's all right with it ball in my court here. I'm kind of I'm kind of torn. I've been going over a few things here. I always like to do a blind spot when I get these opportunities. And I've I think we've learned over the past twenty episodes that you guys seem to be more into the, like the effects creature feature type oh, stuff I than I do. Creatures. I'm usually more of the slasher psychological guy. That's so. all right. As long as ain't hard house shit. So in an effort to please you guys and to rectify one of my blind spots, I'm going to say we should watch The Fly, a movie I have oh. no recollection of. Now, is this Jeff Goldblum's The Fly or the one before that? Of course. I'm going to go with Jeff Goldblum's The Fly. I'm turning into a brundle fly. Cronenberg. So. Okay, that fucking movie is so good. I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a gold bloomer. It's a very serious movie. And Gina Davis is fucking hot, dude. That she Something is. I definitely need to rectify. So, Weird connection. I know Gina Davis from a child in Stuart Little. She was hot in Stuart Little. So I would say Beetlejuice for me. What's that movie with Samuel Jackson where she kills everybody? The Long Kiss Goodnight. Yeah, I remember The Long Kiss Goodnight. Damn, Goodnight. what a title for a movie. So yeah, let's check out the trailer for The Fly from 1986. Now on Blu-ray. I think you're in the screen factory. You really want to talk to me. Sorry, I have three other interviews to do before this party's over. Yeah, if they're not working on something, they'll change the world. See, who's know? got the better hair right here? They say they Gina are. Davis or Goldblum? Yeah, but they're lying. There is a limit haircut. Even to the imagination. Oh, God, no. to the imagination. decimation, breakdown, and reformation is inherently purging. Where our greatest nations meet our deepest fears. Something went God, I miss this guy doing commercials. Something went wrong. Is that a fucking camcorder over there? about to go beyond. Beetlejuice is where I first remember her. I think I saw Beetlejuice before I saw this. They were definitely not human. Is that a vagina? I've got hairs like that on my back. Oh, the power! Apparently, flies are strong as fuck. He's turning into a bundle of flies. What does the disease want? Wants to turn me into something else. Oh no, a fly got into the transmitter pipe with me that first time when I was alone. Don't go back to it. Could be contagious. Uh, I'm afraid. Don't be afraid. No, be afraid. Be very afraid. Be very afraid. Oh fuck. Man, this showed way too much. Show you the whole fucking movie, dude. Oh shit. Wow. Very. Is so, Goldblum is so fucking good, man. Very oh, serious movie. Very, very. It's a very different sort of vibe from uh, Annabelle and from Dust Till Dawn. For sure. <laughs> Just a little <laughs> bit different from Dust Till Dawn. Just a tad bit. Yeah. Definitely less yeah. pussy. <laughs> Throw a little bit of prestige in here. Yeah, I got Brundle Fly Pussy. (laughs) Ooh, that's the best. All right, with the trailer in the books, let's take a guess at these Rotten Tomatoes audience scores. 
I'll go first since I picked this bad boy out. I'm thinking this is a 70%. All right, since I got such a hard fucking cock for this movie, <laughs> I'm going to go with a nice fat 8 0 80 Oh, I'm going to price is right, your ass, and I'm going to go with a 78. All righty, good folks. Thank you for listening. You can find us on damn near any podcast platform. Check out the socials on the website, horriblefilmschool.com. Subscribe and follow to spread the love. Leave your reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Get them five-star reviews out there so we can feel like five-star podcasters. I'm going to use this sign-off to offer my support to women trying to make an honest living down at the Titty Twister. A girl's got to eat, and if these fuckboys are throwing cash, eat them up. Eat them up. Eat them up. Love it. Protected sex workers. Good for them. As always, if you're listening to our beautiful voices, tell somebody you listen to the damn thing. Like us on Instagram. We're very active on there, for the most part. And if you find yourself... Listen to the show and go on, hey, I want to really do a deep dive into the Death Till Dawn series. Don't. Stop with this one. Enjoy it. Love the ride. And then stop your goddamn self. Because I did it and it's not worth it. And with that, I'm going to get to rambling. Thanks for all the listens, the follows, the likes, the downloads, all that stuff. Uh, we really do appreciate your time and your attention. You guys rock. Each and every one of you. Uh... Thanks for putting up with my potty mouth and our potty sense of humor. Uh, but it's going to keep coming. So, you know, keep that in mind. Um, but, yeah, thanks thanks for stopping by. And we look forward to the next episode where we take a look at The Fly. Class dismissed. Class dismissed.